is episode 101 of the Ronin Rabbit. Ronin Rabbit is a Usagi Jimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. You can tweet me at Teal, T-E-A-L, Productions, like the color. Ronin Rabbit has a Google Plus page. The episodes are posted on Facebook on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website. You can post comments there. And usagipodcast at gmail.com is the email, should you choose to use that. Usagi Ojimbo Volume 3, Issue 27 from Dark Horse Comics. In Daisha dated, right? Because I don't think they have a date on the outside. Um, February 1999. And our uh, Persona... Dramatis, or Personae Dramatis, are Mayamoto Usagi, uh, our protagonist that we've been following for over 100 episodes so far. Inspector Ishida, uh, this being the second part of his initial Usagi appearance, um, character that goes on to be quite fan popular and will continue to pop up on and off throughout Usagi's history up to the current issues. Senior Inspector Ogawa and Goku, um, who turns out to be the son of a gentleman and his wife. The gentleman's name was Hayate, and um, they are pivotal in the in the story itself. So this issue opens with Usagi and Ishida inspecting another body that was found. Uh, apparently, she was killed with a blade of some sort. Usagi notices that she has rice powder on her as well, as have, I, if I recall, all of the other victims have some semblance of rice powder on or around them. Uh, another one of the police officers comes, um, is questioned by Inspector Shida, and as they're talking, several males, uh, it appears, all of varying animal likenesses run up yelling, Akime, Akime. And they know the woman that is laying there deceased. Uh, Akime is what she has gone by as far as they're concerned. That's her name as far as we know. They are part of a traveling troupe of entertainers, and she was one of the entertainers as well as the three men. Next, we have a little standoff between one of these actors and Ishida. Um, the problem is how far the police will go to determine who the killer of Akime was, given that she was a lowly traveling entertainer. And the male entertainer knows that status um, equates to amount of concern right now in Japanese culture. So uh, he has issues about that, and as they are discussing those issues, Senior Inspector Ogawa rides up on a horse, and interestingly enough, he rides up on... No, no, he doesn't. Okay. He walks up to the crime scene and uh, inserts himself in this conversation, cowing the actor pretty much by the force of his uh, officialness, Ogawa. And in several scenes, uh, here in a a couple panels, Ogawa is doing it, uh, Ishida is doing it, the other officer that that Ishida was speaking to as to 
who has been questioned? Has anything been found? Were there any witnesses kind of questions? He is doing it also. All three men are holding a, or their, jite, um, which to me is kind of interesting because for us, it would be much like a police officer standing there holding his badge. I guess that's why um, in most instances it's on the chest so that in essence they are holding it the whole time. They are identified the whole time as being a police officer. The jite is that symbol in feudal Japan and in many instances all three of these men are holding it to signify that they are indeed police officers. Now I don't know that you can look at the jites themselves and tell any difference but these three men that I am referencing are each different uh, ranks. We have Ogawa at the top, Ishida is below him, and then the the other officer Ishida was speaking to is below Ishida. So, oddly enough, as I think about it, there were three different levels, all of them using a jite. The jite looked exactly alike for all three, as far as I could tell. I wonder if there's something on the handle. Or maybe there's a uh, some sort of dangle off the end of the handle, and there is something different there. Something to denote not only is it a police official, but were these three jites compared, well, this would belong to this um, rank, and this would belong to this rank by looking at the jite. That I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. I would suggest that they probably do, but um, I don't know. That would be uh, an interesting concept for a story uh, later on down the road if... A, a jite was found after a crime of a particular law enforcement level, but no body was found or anything like that. Just the jite was left behind after the fight or something like that. Huh. Just speaking out loud. Um, Ogawa then turns his, his cowing uh, abilities to Ishida and cows him, which we already know from last issue that Ishida, uh, that Ishida and Ogawa have issues. Uh, Ogawa is the superior... And he doesn't really like the way that Ishida does things because they're not the way that Ogawa does things is really what the takeaway is. Now, as this story progresses, as as it finishes, we find Ogawa has more reason to fear Ishida than uh, just uh, professionally. So, Usagi and Ishida uh, wander off talking things through back and forth, trying to figure out what to do next. They they are stuck on this thought that the samurai who killed the three merchants back um, in not only in um, as we learned about last issue, but back in uh, time when all of this first came about roughly a generation or so ago. The samurai has not been found as far as anybody can tell, but neither has he been found via his name. So they suspect that he changed his name, and he is still living somewhere, probably somewhere in the area. But they need to know if he changed his name and what it would be to. The problem is, the holder of those records is Lord Yamahashi. They have a appealed to him once, and he denied their request. Now they become hell-bent that they must gain access to those records to see if this samurai has indeed officially changed his name, because the official records are kept by the lord of the province, uh, much like, let's say, a courthouse of a county, okay? 
and so those records, uh, birth and death records, marriage records, are in the courthouse somewhere. Um, same as this, the changing of a name in order for it to be official and you to be able to use the name and be recognized and everything like that has to be officially done. So there has to be paperwork behind it. That paperwork is going to be in Yamahashi's uh, records room somewhere. So they bluff their way up there, bluff their way into the room and are perusing the records. They find the book that is going to tell them and just as they are about to peruse that book to to determine for sure Chamberlain Toyofuku comes up he was the the um, that's kind of the um, paper official let's say of the uh, Damio's castle he was the one that they physically spoke to and who denied their request and here he sees that they are here doing what they requested to be able to do, and he denied. So he is quite upset, throws them out. Um, Not so much for Usagi, but it was interesting that he ordered his men that if they should enter the castle again to kill them when one of them is a police officer of the town that they're in. That seems rather brash to me, but, you know, I don't know. The daimyo of the lands, um, I guess he had that... I guess he had that power, kind of like, I guess that would be like the governor of the state, and yeah, I'm not sure what the equivalencies would be. But uh, as they're walking out, Ishida and Usagi continue to discuss, you know, oh man, we were so close, we almost had it, we even had the book, and basically Usagi says, what, this book? Uh, because he had made out with it. Um, Ishida... Seems very upset. You dared to steal an official document from Lord Yamahashi's archives? Do you know what the penalty for that is? And, you know, Usagi's kind of like, wow, but this is what we needed. And then you see Ushida think a minute, rub his chin, looking at Usagi. Then he says, well, come on, we'd better get it off the streets. Hurry. We don't have much daylight left. So they go, they peruse the book, and they find out that the samurai that they're looking for changed his name to Ogawa, which means that the chief inspector is the gentleman who was ordered to kill the merchant Hayate and his wife. The daughter and son were left and were witness to this. As part of this scheme, three other merchants who were involved in this were also killed. And let me see if I can recall their names quickly. Abe, Bancho, and Tendo. So they were also killed. The samurai knows and hid himself uh, because he was the one that killed Hiate. The three merchants knew that it was this samurai, and so the samurai, apparently in the guise of Inspector Ogawa, has been killing all who could trace him back. The only people left now, because the other three merchants in this plot from antiquity uh, is the son and daughter of Hayate, and the daughter, they believe... Well, no, they don't know that yet. Let me hold that. So Ishida and Usagi run back to the police station to marshal forces as they are going to march on wherever Ogawa is and arrest him pending this 
new information. As they're discussing things, uh, a police officer appears that Ishida had sent off at the beginning of last issue, at the beginning of the story, to find the whereabouts of Hayate's daughter and son, who were written to have survived the attack, but there was no record of them being there in the village. This village that they're in, that Ishida is in, is where it occurred. So he sent Inspector Nii to the to a neighboring village to search the records there and see. Well, Nii found the information that he wanted, and before he could get in to get to Inspector Ishida, he was confronted by Inspector Ogawa. Well, being a superior, he gave him the information, with Ogawa saying that he would pass it on to Ishida, which he most obviously did not, because in the information was the fact that the son and daughter who survived were taken, they were they were bought by another peasant family in the next village. The peasant family then sold them to a traveling entertainment troupe much like the one that just came to town and has set up there, much like the one that the female who was found dead this morning belonged to. So the supposition is that that must be the daughter, Hayate's daughter, uh, the sister that survived. So that means that the only remaining person is the brother, who also is, you know, at last count was part of a traveling entertainment troupe and could be that troupe but they don't really um, go to speak to the troupe to, to find that out instead they track down where Ogawa is and go to him now there is a panel of in uh, Ashida Ishida, excuse me, Usagi, and Nii leading a group of other policemen walking down the street. Once again, Ishida is carrying his jite out, holding it out. Now we cut to Ogawa, who is being plied by a, um, a courtesan. He's drinking. She is trying to uh, make him drunk. Um, a courtesan, a geisha, perhaps. Perhaps this is a geisha, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure, now that I think about it, if courtesan and geisha are the same thing, just different words. But she's trying to get him drunk, and as he is um, becoming less coherent, shall we say, over time, she is revealing more and more of why she is there. She is not the young lady from the Lotus House. Rather, she intercepted the lady from the Lotus House, sent her back and took her place because, as she draws a rather large hairpin out of her hair and attacks Ogawa, she wanted to kill him. So, in the midst of this attack, as they're talking, the person is saying that Ogawa must die for the death of the mother, the father, and the sister as the brother rips off the wig and shows himself to be who we will find out as Goku. He's a kabuki actor. Uh, Kabuki is a recent thing that is being used uh, for entertainment in Japan. And uh, uh, part of it involves males dressing up as females. Although there's much, much more to it than that. Ogawa recognizes him as Hayate's son, 
they speak back and forth. Ogawa acknowledges killing the sister when he found out that that was the sister. He makes a dive for his swords, which are over here on the other side of the room, on a stand, but Goku pins his hand down with one of the, <laughs> the hairpins and then pulls another. I mean, these are nasty hairpins. These are probably, let's see, eight, probably eight to ten inches long. Big hairpins. Uh, and as he jumps Ogawa, as Goku jumps Ogawa, just on the verge of killing him, Inspector Ishida and Usagi and Nii and group rush in. Nii seemingly kills Goku. Uh, he fails him. We don't see the normal death's head that uh, Mr. Sakai uses to signify death. We just see that he is struck, Goku is struck, by a gentleman with a sword. You would assume that he is cut by the sword. Usagi, we see in one panel here, bending down, checking the body. We don't see him say anything. But then, when that is calmed down, Ishida officially arrests Ogawa. But Ogawa has them clear the room and speaks with Ishida himself, saying that, you know, I'm too high up. I've been too high up for too long. Whatever evidence you have, whatever I may admit to, none of it is going to be enough for me to spend time in prison. I know too many people that will speak for me, yada, yada, yada. You know, we've we've seen that played out time and time again in TV shows and movies and novels and whatnot. Well, we switch outside the room and we hear a scream. And so when all of those outside, Usagi, Nii, and the other policemen rush into the room, we see Ogawa with a sword sticking in his chest and Goku slumped over the body. Ishida admonishes the policeman, says, Fools, Goku was not yet dead. He picked up a sword and killed Inspector Ogawa with his last breath. And so now, after things are cleared up and everybody is saying their goodbyes, um, Usagi and Ishida are speaking to each other. And Usagi intimates that, you know, perhaps something occurred. And Ishida seemingly takes offense. I don't know what you're insinuating, Usagi-san. And that's the end of the conversation as far as exactly what happened in the room. So, we don't know. Ishida is an extremely straight-laced figure to have killed Ogawa himself and set up Goku to look like it. But, in the name of justice, which is what totally and completely motivates this character, that would not be something unseemly to do, because it is in the name of justice. Uh, Usagi stops by to say his goodbyes, they have a, a little discussion kind of wrapping things up for us. And they decide to go see uh, the Kabuki show that is in town. Usagi says, Were men play female roles? Sure, I'd better see it now. After all, it's probably just a fad that will die out in a few years. Ha 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 ha. They all laugh. Well, as we know, uh, I believe Kabuki is still performed in Japan today. So it was not a fad and it did not die out. Last page, seven panels. Uh, we have a, 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 a lady, 
uh, let's see, they, well, how do they refi- uh, refer to her? Just as a female. A female running through town, she dashes around a corner and stops as the troop that is seemingly pursuing her runs by the, the cross street, right? And they are dressed in very loose pants, a very loose top, but intriguingly, they all have slitted hoods over their head. Um, where is she? Don't tell me we lost her, says one. Find her or our heads will be forfeit, another. I think I see her in that crowd pointing ahead, says a third. And there's a fourth one here. Um, that's not her. Quick, back to where we last saw her. Search the crowds. We've lost her. We'll find her again as she fades off into the crowd, you know, kind of looking over her shoulder to make sure she's not being followed away from us in the in the final panel. And we're told next, the courtesan. All right, the next little bit here is something that I want to read. So those of you that feel uh, the need to go, by all means. Kabuki was founded in 1600 in Kyoto by Okuni, a priestess of the Oyashiro Shrine in Izumo province. Her performances were an outgrowth of the Nambutsu Odori, the dance of the prayer to Buddha, and the belief that the principles of Buddhism could be more easily understood through song and dance. Like many entertainers in Kyoto, Okuni performed on the dry riverbed of the Kamo River. She soon teamed up with Sansa, a samurai musician, and together they created dramas and ribald comedies borrowed freely from the No and the Kyojin theaters. Okuni would often dress in a man's costume and Sansa in a woman's to the approval of the audiences. They soon put together a troop and went into business for themselves. The needs of the shrine were forgotten, but that's showbiz. In 1603, this type of entertainment was called kabuki, free life, as the definition is. There were different schools of kabuki. The most notorious was the yusho, pleasure woman kabuki, in which prostitutes found another means to charm and attract customers. In 1629, all women in any capacity were banned from the stage by the shogun's order in an effort to protect public morals and limit interactions between the social classes, uh, much like alcohol repeal here in this country. By banishing women, samurai were less likely to attend these shows, which were frequently, which were primarily frequented by commoners. So, in doing so, they uh, they changed the cast that would would most likely attend the shows. So, rather than being something that was attended by um, many levels of upper citizens, it now only is going to appeal to the commoners, and so it's going to become a commoners-led type of of theater. The Onagata female impersonator was created to offset the boredom of the all-male cast. I was very lax in historical accuracy in this story, uh, says Mr. Sakai. Narukume was written well after Usagi's time, but I made reference to it because it's one of my favorites. Also, though Sansa appeared in women's attire, the first true Onagata is credited as being Muriyama Sakon in 1649, so another 20 years later before a, before a man truly became known for playing women in these. And then, uh, let's see. Uh, there are two major references. This is another info tidbit. Two major references for Japanese prehistory. The Nihongi, Chronicle of Japan, written in 720, and the Kojiki, Record of Ancient Matters, written in 712s. 
Um, in issues 13 and 14, Mr. Sakai chose to focus on the history as portrayed in the Kojiki, he said, because it was more convenient at the time that he wrote the pages. And that's the additional, that's the back matter, as it were, or the, um, yeah, there's another word there, but it escapes me, to increase the value of the the book. They do this a lot on Kickstarter. But there you go. There's Usagi Ujimbo, issue 27, the second part of the Hairpin Murders that starred, co-starred, starred, I guess, Inspector Ishida. Next time out, volume 3, issue 28 from Dark Horse Comics, dated April 1999. Talk to you guys then. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a teal production. And as such, is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives, 3.0, Unported License.